Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. Elijah had uh, fled out of Jerusalem because King Ahab was killing the prophets, and Elijah was one of those uh, prophets. So he had fled and then had that encounter with God, not being in the earthquake or the hurricane or the fire, but being in the silence. And then at the end of that silence, God tells Elijah to go back to Jerusalem. And uh, uh, this passage will tell us what Elijah is supposed to go back to do. Uh, And then he also picks up a protege, Elisha, who also becomes a very famous prophet. So, Sandy, I invite you to come forward and The Old Testament lesson today is from the book of 1 Kings. Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel as king over Aram. You shall also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of uh, Abel Maholah as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazel, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every month that has not kissed him. So he set out from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing. There were twelve yoke of oxen ahead of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle over him. He left the oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. Then Elijah said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? He returned from following him, took the yoke of oxen, and slaughtered them. Using the equipment from the oxen, he boiled their flesh and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then they set out and followed Elijah and became his servant. Our gospel lesson is from the Gospel of Luke, as we are reading through uh, this year, and will be for a number of months to come. Uh, Last week we read the story of Jesus healing the man that had uh, the whole bunch of demons in him, the demons that called themselves legion that he cast out, and they went into the herd of swine that then jumped off the cliff, and we, we now skip a, a I don't know, chapter and a half, two chapters or so, uh, of Luke to get into today's story, but what we're, uh, what we're bypassing is uh, a few more healings. Jesus does a few more healings. He uh, sends out his disciples, and they return, and when he sends them out, he says, if any city does not welcome you as you walk out, you know, um, shake the dust from your sandals, shake the sand from your sandals, uh, and go elsewhere. He fed the 5,000. There was the transfiguration when he went up on the mountain with his disciples, uh, and then come down, and then Jesus predicts his betrayal and starts telling the disciples what is about to happen. The disciples argue over which one of them is the greatest, uh, and then John complains that someone is casting out demons, but not in Jesus' name, and Jesus says, Whoever is not against you is for you. Uh, 
Um, so we go, uh, we're passing all of that and coming to today's lesson. And within the Gospel of Luke, this is uh, the pivot point. And Jesus has been sort of going about his, his ministry, but now that he's had the transfiguration, told the disciples what's about to come, now he starts heading toward Jerusalem. This is his final journey uh, in the Gospel of Luke to Jerusalem to go through what he needs to go through. And so this first sentence kind of sets the tone. You'd think of this as we are now entering Act 2 of a two-act play. This is Jesus in his final mission. He is focused on what he is supposed to be doing. And so that said, listen now and hear for how God is speaking to you through these words from Luke's Gospel. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. This is uh, kind of a harsh and serious Jesus here uh, in this passage. Not the, not the typical kind of uh, forgiving, everything's going to be okay uh, sort of Jesus in these words that he says. No one is, is fit for the kingdom of God if they look behind them. And no one, uh, the Son of Man, has no place to lay his head. It's a very serious Jesus all of a sudden here, but... Uh, Fitting, I think, for the beginning of this Act 2 of Luke. He is now really on his journey. You know, in, the, in the first half of Luke's Gospel, Jesus does uh, what we think of him as doing, going around healing people, teaching. Uh, he's doing miracles. He's talking about the kingdom of God, uh, giving parables, saying the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like that. He's... Uh, eating and hanging out with Pharisees and scribes and uh, sinners and prostitutes and just kind of all common people as well. Uh, and he's been transfigured. He's been sort of a normal, in some ways, kind of a rabbi or teacher, although with the added benefit of being able to do miracles uh, and whatnot. But then he has this moment of clarity. Something happens, uh, and I think... The transfiguration is probably really the turning point here, which happens uh, just before we get into this. But he has this moment of clarity or, or inspiration. He realizes it's time now to go do what he has been sent to do. 
His mind is focused on his mission. He has set his face to go to Jerusalem. This is the beginning of the end for Jesus. He knows that now everything is very serious. Everything matters a lot. He's been talking about the kingdom, talking about love, even showing it, but now there's an urgency about living it, about truly living it. And for the rest of our, our year, uh, in the here and now, up until late fall, when we're in the season where we have the green pyramids out, what we call ordinary time, although it's not uh, ordinary, uh, really anything but ordinary, I, for the rest of the summer, we're going to continue reading through Luke's gospel, and it will all be from this kind of act two side of Luke. So for the, uh, the rest of the summer... Everything that Jesus says and does relates to him being on his journey to Jerusalem to be betrayed, crucified, to rise, and to ascend. All that we read now for the rest of the year will have, uh, Jesus has this in his mind. He is on his mission. So for the next uh, few months, every time that you hear a, a, a gospel lesson, Think first, Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem. Hear that before you hear the lesson. That will inform how we hear uh, these stories of Jesus. He is on this final mission, and so we get these harsh words. And they really are, I, at least I find them to be pretty harsh. I, I would like to make an apology for them, say, oh, they're not really as harsh as they sound, uh, not as harsh as they seem, but I, I don't think that would be a faithful way to read them. These really are harsh and stern and serious words from Jesus. And if they don't make you uncomfortable, they make me uncomfortable. I think if they don't make us uncomfortable, then maybe we're not listening fully to what Jesus says. These are some uncomfortable words. No, let the dead bury the dead. No, you can't go back and say goodbye. If you take your hand to the plow and look back, you are not fit the kingdom. They make me uncomfortable. Make me think of how many times do I look back, pine for easier times or other days, or just kind of wish I didn't have to keep going forward through time. Things could just stay as they are. And there's a call here from Jesus saying, you have to give up everything to follow me. That's all I ask. Just give up everything and follow me. Progress can't be made without a willingness to turn uh, one's back to the past or to the things that one holds dear. And unfortunately, that can mean things like family or cultural obligations or the, some of these things that we surround ourselves with, whether they're physical things or ideas Thoughts about who we ought to be or what we ought to be doing. All these uh, stuff that can be roadblocks to following Jesus. That attachment to whatever it is that can block our path to faithfulness. Jesus has been showing what the kingdom of God looks like. Which is love, compassion, caring for people, feeding thousands, taking care of the people around you. And here he tosses down the gauntlet of what being fit for the kingdom 
looks like. You don't look back. You're all in. Give it everything. Even the cultural and religious obligations. You know, in that Old Testament lesson, Elisha says to Elijah, well, let me go back and, uh, and take care of my things first and say goodbye. Uh, and Elijah says, okay, and, and lets him go back. And he does. He takes care of everything, and he uh, spends the time that it takes to cook up all of his oxen and share uh, the meat with all the people around him. But Jesus says, no, you don't get to go back and say goodbye. You don't get to go back and do uh, what you think your obligations are. The kingdom is already here. Jesus has said that many times. The kingdom is here. And so to be fit for the kingdom, uh, and in here the word fit isn't, doesn't mean like, like worthy or that you've proved yourself uh, that this should be given to you. To be fit means that you uh, have the skills or the talents or the wherewithal to live in the kingdom. To be fit for the kingdom, to be skilled for it, one needs to live in a kingdom way, which is Jesus' way. And there was earlier in this passage, the first part of the passage, the disciples asked, about this Samaritan town that doesn't want Jesus to come. Should we, uh, should we call down fire and have the city consumed? Should we call for the destruction of this city? You remember when Jesus sent out the disciples, he said, if places don't welcome you, just leave. Shake the dust off your sandals and leave. And here the disciples say, should we destroy it? And Jesus says, no. He rebukes them. He's like, no. No, no, no. The way of violence is not the answer. My face is set to Jerusalem. That's our path. Jesus is on the path to Jerusalem to show that power of submission and self-emptying of nonviolence. Jesus is on the path to embrace the cross and to do so for the sake of the world. So Jesus offers these Harsh words. But if you're going to follow me, follow me. But don't do it halfway. You can't be thinking about other stuff. I am on this very uh, important, determined path. But I think Jesus' words are also not uh, directed entirely at us, or the the harshness uh, of these words is not fully directed toward us. Uh, it is, certainly, it, it's, it's partly, I, I think, in what Jesus says here is this question, are you truly prepared to follow me? This is what it's going to look like if you want to follow me. If you really want to be my disciple, uh, you're, are you willing to give things up? Whether it's physical things or ideas, thoughts, habits, traditions, whatever, to follow me. I think that is partly in there, but as we we know from having uh, read these stories many times, his disciples don't do that very well. They are not uh, by any means perfect. They're not even close to doing this perfectly, and yet Jesus still stays with them. So this isn't a, a, you have to do this perfectly or Jesus is going to cast you off. Still get to be with Jesus, 
So partly these words are, are directed at us. But I think this is also more about him saying that these words are what God is like. This is who God is. They're more about God's single-mindedness in loving us. No distractions. This focused, determined march to Jerusalem. God came to us uh, uh, on Christmas to be love incarnate, to show us how to live a life of love. Not to give rules like on the mountain with Moses and the Ten Commandments and the other laws. Not, not so much to, to give us rules anymore, but to physically come to us to live as one of us and to show us what God is about. To show us what faithful life looks like. To show us how to live in the kingdom that's already present. Not something that we're waiting for or hoping to earn. Something we already have. Something that's already here. And now that it's here, this is how we live. And so Jesus' purpose, he's ready to fulfill it. Ready to fulfill his purpose. His face is set to Jerusalem. So not so much a message to us of what we must do, though partly that, but a message to us of how absolutely focused God's love is toward us. God in Jesus showing us how much God loves us. Be on this path. And in in showing us how much God loves us and showing us how much God is attached to us, asking us to follow and to fit ourselves into that mold and to be equally attached to God and to Jesus and to be attached to our neighbors in love. Not to stuff or to beliefs, but to be attached to God and to Jesus, one another, people of the world and by doing so to be fit for the kingdom by doing so then able to live in the kingdom because that's what living in the kingdom looks like amen and that is the good news for this day and for all days thank you again for listening to the sermons and sounds of Plymouth podcast If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.